Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Director Jesse Moss' award-winning documentary, The Overnighters, is an intimate portrait of job seekers desperately chasing the broken American dream to the tiny oil boom town of Williston, North Dakota, with a town lacking in infrastructure to house the overflow of migrants. A local pastor starts a controversial overnighters program, allowing down-and-out workers to, to a place to sleep at the church. His ambitious idea immediately runs into resistance with his community, forcing the clergyman to make a decision which leads to profound consequences that he never imagined. This is a wonderful documentary. It's called The Overnighters. We're joined today by the director, writer, producer, cinematographer, sound recordist, that would be Jesse Moss. Jesse, welcome to Film School. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's start with the basics. What drew you to this subject, and what was it about going to Williston, North Dakota, that attracted you? Well, I, you know, I, I was aware of this oil boom, and 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 that Williston had become. The bright spot. This was in the wake of the recession. The bright spot, the American economy, and the place where people were were headed to find living wage work in America. And tens of thousands of people were streaming into North Dakota, and Williston had acquired this reputation as a, something of a frontier boomtown. And I was curious about what what that looked like and felt like, and and what was happening in North Dakota, and particularly. What was the experience for people who were going there on the ground? Were they finding what they were seeking? Um, because I had a sense that the stories I was reading um, maybe concealed the real truth, that, that things were much, much harder on the ground. And so um, kind of with, with that idea, I began to, to look into the story and actually read online a, a clergy column that Pastor Jay Ranke, who's the subject of my film, had written in the local newspaper in which he called on his community to welcome these these migrants, these newcomers. And that was an unusual sentiment in Williston. And so I called him up and we spoke. And he said, Jesse, there are men and women who are sleeping in my church. They have nowhere to sleep. There's no housing in this town. They can't afford what's available. And so they're here. And so that was my invitation to come to Williston. So was it, so initially your thought was you wanted to track sort of the story of this migration of workers to this new gold rush. But what really kind of hooked you in was this idea of these people who are there uh, don't have the resources or the facilities really to even establish much of a life there. And this Reverend Reinke's column sort of drew you to him. Is that, would that be a fair way to that's right. I mean, I, I was. It's such a big story. What's happening right. in North Dakota is actually right. astonishing in its scale and complexity, and it's really hard to take it all in. And I, I knew that I didn't want to make a film that tried to take it all in. I was really looking for a, a prism, a human way in, a small scale way into this much bigger story that would really provide a look at what the ground level experience was for people who were coming. And in Jay's church, Concordia Lutheran Church, just a little Lutheran church in this oil boom town, I found um, these men and women who had just gotten off the bus, just gotten off the train with a bedroll and 40 bucks in their pocket, and they were absolutely desperate. And here was Jay Ranke, Pastor Jay Ranke, providing them uh, a hand up, place to sleep, compassion, and 
that the feeling in the room in his church was electrifying and very, very emotional. And I just started to film. I didn't know whether this could be a film, whether there was a story here. Um, but I was also really struck by Pastor Renke and his decision to welcome these newcomers, these overnighters, as he called them, had um, had put him in conflict with his congregation neighbors who really resented these newcomers. So I could see that he was dealing with a lot, and he was the man in the middle, kind of the embodiment of this transformation happening in Williston, and I thought, this is an interesting story. Was there, it sounds like, uh, based on your initial conversation, he welcomed you into um, the into the church and into his life. Um, was that the case? Jay was really open. He he said, come on in. And in fact, w- when I came, I came alone. I came with my camera. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a crew, just me. And I needed a place to stay. Um, <laughs> like many of these people coming to Williston, I couldn't find a hotel room. They were all booked by oil companies. And so I asked Jay, could I stay at the church? And he said, yeah, of course you can. Sleep here. And so I um, I moved in. I, I slept in the church, actually, for the first six, six months of, of the 18 months I, I, I shot the film. And so Jay really let me into his world, his personal world, and, and the world of, of the church and the Overnighters program. And um, he, I think he, he, he felt like there was something extraordinary happening in Williston and in his church. And I think he thought um, there was value in, in telling that story to the world. Um, and and he was very natural and open in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a natural. He's a pastor. He's a performer. He, you know, he he's just kind. Of, he's charismatic, and and I really I really got to like him. And I thought also, you're a really complicated person. Like I don't totally understand why you're doing this or why you're risking so much in your life. I mean, I know that for Jay, this is a really meaningful expression of of his Christian faith, the Christian ethic to, to love his neighbor, even though his neighbor happened to be these rough and ready guys with some of whom had criminal records, uh, many of whom were, were really at their wit's end. Um, he took them in. And so, um, but yet I thought there was um, more to him and, and that was intriguing to me. You, in the film, the overnighters, you focus in addition to uh, pastor Reinke, you also focus on, um, four or five, let's say, of the people who pass through looking for the opportunity to work in these oil fields pop up uh, out of the rest of the the men that were there? How how did that get? Well, you know, what struck me immediately about the people in that church was that there was no one type. I mean, it was really America under that roof. There were people with PhDs, and there was a flight attendant from San Francisco. There were you know, men who'd worked in construction, and they were boys. I mean, it, it was really incredible cross-section of humanity, and there was no scientific method to find who to follow. For me, it was this very intuitive and emotional decision. It were you know, people who opened up to me, whose story grabbed me in the moment. Who's, um, um, there was a boy from Wisconsin who had uh, just come to make something of himself because he had no opportunities back home, and I mean, he, he was like a man-child. Is this, and I, is this had, Keegan Edwards you were talking Keegan, about? Keegan, he's yeah. got these big Buddy Holly glasses, yeah. this really handsome kid. And, 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 and I thought, you know, you're going to make it. You're big and strong, and you're going to survive here. And so I began to follow him. And there was a, a middle-aged electrician from Georgia who, who was really um, 
he was just in tears when I met him. His, yeah. his, he had left his family back home. He couldn't provide for them. He'd come to the only place in the country he thought he could make a living, and, and he hadn't found the, the work, the job that he was seeking. He'd been there for a few weeks when I met him, and I think he was really struggling, and it, his story grabbed me uh, as well. So, you know, they just reached out and grabbed me, I guess, and, and I, I felt, even though I was focusing more and more on Pastor Jay, who, you know, who was taking on so much and taking these men in, I, I felt like he was investing in them, and I wanted to see whether his investment in them would be returned, whether they would succeed, and, and whether that narrative was really true, whether you know, these guys were going to find what they were seeking, whether it was you know, a, a good job, whether it was some form of redemption or salvation, which a lot of people honestly seem to be seeking there. You know, they found their way there <clears throat> because they were looking for meaning in their lives, and usually it was they needed to provide for their families or pay their mortgage or just earn a good living. But, but you could see there was more to it. It was like, I need, I work matters to me. I I need, I need to feel like I'm living a meaningful, meaningful life. And that was pretty powerful to feel. And that's why so many men, I think who had these criminal records, which they would call burdens, um, ended up there. This was a place of last resort. And and Williston in North Dakota was a place of last resort. And, And within that world, this church was really the place of last resort. You know that the idea you mentioned, the sort of reinvention and redemption, that that is that's a very powerful theme within the overnighters, and it's also really much a part of the American mythology. It really sort of uh, is what we as a country feel that uh, we're about about reinventing ourselves, and redempt, redemption is a big part of this sort of Christian ethic that we uh, that we celebrate here in, in the in the country um what was it about these men this cross-section of men is there anything that jumped out at you in terms of the surprised you you know you touched on it i mean i felt this in in their their journeys and their experiences and their desires it felt it's I, that that american theme that that mythology that history that narrative of running to the frontier, to the boom town, to the place where you can remake yourself. I felt it, and it was palpable and a thrill. I mean, I know it as a historical construct, and I know it as mythology, and I know it through film and television, but to feel it, to feel it in the flash and to feel it for real in people's faces was very powerful. And I did feel like, you know, being there for me was like, it was like touching this live wire that arcs back through history. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. And I'd never been in, a, in an environment, in a place like that. And every day when I was staying at the church, someone new would walk in the door and they would sit down and they would sit there and talk to Jay. And Jay would say, where, where have you come from and why are you here? And they would, you know, they would start to cry and they would tell Jay their stories. And so I, um, I was very moved by that. And, and I thought, you know, this is the this is the narrative of the of the boomtown. Mm-hmm. This is the place where you run to because you think people don't care what you've done or where you've come from or that you've been to prison for 16 years. They care, can you do the job? And I guess I, I've always been, I mean, this has been a theme in, in some of my earlier documentary work, but, right. you know, to what extent can you outrun those demons and those burdens? Um, can you leave them behind? I made a film about an Ivy League imposter, and it was very much his story, and I saw that. I didn't go seeking it. I just found it, and it it, it definitely resonated with me. And um, you know, and it, as I got to know these guys and Jay as well, I you know I became very personally invested in 
Yeah, and, and just, I, I'm, as I sit here today, here in Southern California, I'm a product of the Dust Bowl. My grandparents mm-hmm. came here from Nebraska and Oklahoma back in the 30s. Uh, we can go back to the gold rush. The thing about that has made America, the mythology of America, so powerful is that for several for a couple of hundred years, people could go to a place that no one, virtually no one had been before and make something of themselves and make themselves the sort of mythology of the individual finding his way and carving out this uh, this track of land and making uh, making uh, something of himself and his family is is powerful and I, I have to say just sort of an editorially speaking in a way our country has sort of run out of places to run to but we have now found uh, with fracking and oil exploration sort of a, a I will call it a faint echo of that of that yeah. of that opportunity that that we have grown up believing in that's uh, right is that, that's a, is really that a, what yeah it's what drew me to williston is the sense that how how could we still have a place like that in in, in america today and here it was um made real yeah. and i wanted to see what that was like and i tell you when i got there it was it was kind of a scary place to be i mean i was a little bit fearful and i could see why so many people in that community locals um jay's neighbors around the church and in his community were scared. I mean, this horde of men, women were invading, and and there had been some, well, one particular violent crime yeah. that had passed this pall of fear over, over the, the town, and I think they looked at everybody through that, through that lens, you know, what do we have to fear? And here was Che, who, who, you know, he 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 looked at them and he saw not the worst but he saw the best and and I I found that just tremendously sympathetic and I'm not you know I'm, I didn't grow up in the church uh, I'm not Christian I just I came to this as you know, really someone who spent very little time in the church and I I just felt found Jay's choices his struggle um, to be both profoundly Christian but really moral you know mm-hmm. about what it what it is to be human and what it is to be compassionate and what it truly means to love your neighbor. And I don't think it's, it's simply a, you know, a, a Christian edict. I think it's, um, it's a moral injunction. And I think watching that lived and not preached is pretty interesting. We're speaking with Jesse Moss. He's the director, producer, writer, cinematographer, and sound recordist for this tremendously wonderful, <laughs> I should uh, film a documentary called uh, The Overnighters. And I say wonderful in the sense that it is uh, an, Im- an immersive and intimate portrait. I want to dive back into the the relationship that Reverend or Pastor Jay Renke has with uh, the, his, the people, the overnighters who come in, uh, and how through the, this, these Christian acts, these reaching out and providing these people with a, a place to stay and, and an opportunity to reinvent themselves begins to unravel his own life. And I don't want to get too far into the details because I want people to go see the overnighters, but what was that like for you? I don't think you had an, did you have an inkling that this was, the story was heading in a, in, in a certain direction when you were doing you this? You know, I did. I did actually fairly early on. And that's because Jay told me, he made it clear that in, in embracing these, overnighters he'd really had to turn his back not because he wanted to but really by necessity on his congregation the local congregation that he served in this church and 
that he had he had this was a point of no return mm-hmm. and he said jesse i could lose my job i think i may lose my job for doing this but i think it's worth it and the neighbors were really beginning to turn against him and you know they had this encampment of people across the street from their tidy homes uh people in their car sleeping in their cars and i think they were they were quite fearful and jay was beginning to bear the brunt of this and and so I could see on the distant horizon the likelihood that the program would be shut down or he would be fired and that there would be some end point. Um, and he, he was clearly putting everything on the line. I mean, he, had, you know, he, he was spending almost no time at home with his family. He's got four children mm-hmm. um, and, and very little time with his congregation. And, and, and really all of his time serving this new congregation, these, these people in his church, the overnighters. And... And so I could see that this this was an unsustainable proposition for Jay, and that you know he he was he's a boundary crosser, he's confrontational, he he was taking these risks. I mean, he was not shy about taking on their burdens, um, and I could see that that was also causing a lot of turmoil for him. I mean, these were really uh, people who needed love, and he, he had a lot to give, but maybe not as much as they needed from him. And yeah. so all of this created a very combustible environment. And I think, you know, in some ways that were stated, other ways unstated, I, I, I perceived that. And I, I, the further into the, this journey I got with Jay, the clearer it became that, that it was, it was going to end in, in some um, possibly cataclysmic way. Well, again, uh, being careful to, to not reveal too much, he does, in retrospect, sort of telegraph some of the some of the things that are going to be an issue later on in in the story. Uh, but at the same time, there is something compelling about uh, this this person, Jay Reinke, the pastor, who, just by the sheer number of people that he's taking in, who are, you know, at the fringes of society, uh, in a, in some by not their own making and some by their own making, that just the sheer numbers of men coming through there, that there was going to be a lot of these these guys who were deeply troubled. And, yeah, and it, you know, it, yeah, Jay faces this incredible test in the midpoint of the story in the, my film where the newspaper, which becomes a real antagonist right. and begins to poke around, discovers that there's uh, there there are men sleeping in the church who have scary criminal records. Serious and, and that, criminal records, yes. Serious criminal records. And that prompts Jay to to bring one of them into his home. Yeah. The choice is to cast that person out and to betray his own principles or to bring that person into the only other place he can offer them, which is, and he does. It's both a very principled and in some ways a very reckless act, right. and which, you know, I think depending on how you look at it, seems to be, um, well, you know, an incredible act of compassion and charity or, or you know, a reckless and self-destructive gesture. And um, and both, I guess, <clears throat> and that that is really um, sets off a, yeah. uh, a chain of events, begins to unravel things for him, and 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 uh, make his life much more complicated. And you know, I mean, I had really set out to to, to make a film in which events uh, happened on camera and hopefully in front of me, and, and not a film in which people told me about things that happened off camera. You know, to make a real true cinema verite film, and I found myself just filming Jay in this incredibly turbulent period of uh, time. And, you know, Jay just opened up. Um, but, you know, uh, back to your point, you know, there, there still remained, for me, a, a kind of a mystery in Jay, you know, kind of 
beneath the surface, what what in him accounted for this almost superhuman compassion for broken and burdened men. And he would say to them, you know, you and I are more alike than we are different, and mm-hmm. everybody carries burdens. And I thought, what what is he saying? Is that purely theological? Is that is he saying something about himself? And he did hint to me that there, you know, there was within him something in his past, something in him that, that he wasn't quite willing to share completely with me, but that, you know, but it he, he felt he felt gave him identification with them. Yeah, these overnighters. And there is something about Christian mythology, theology. That to tempt sort of the the idea and go back to the biblical scripture, you know, Jesus being tempted by the devil in the desert, and the the devil turns him. This all can be yours, and if you if you re, you know reject your your calling, if you will, and there's something that I just uh, watching the overnighters, I that sort of I couldn't couldn't get out of my mind that there was something about we people sort of. In our in our lives, trying to in some ways, I would say replicate that idea, but in a way tempt that idea, and that's what Jay Renke feels like to me. He was willing to to see it through, to see that idea through to its, I'll say, logical conclusion, and and he and he certainly. Well, um, well, I want to also while the the uh, the film uh, the Overnighters is opening. Here in Los Angeles on uh, the 31st at the New Art Theater. Just as an aside, Jesse, are you going to be in town for for that? I will. Yeah, I'll be be here all, all weekend doing Q and A at the New Art. So okay. I hope people come out and I'll be there to answer questions and talk about this. The film has done exceptionally well on the on the uh, festival circuit uh, at Sundance Film Festival. Last year, it was the winner of the Grand Jury Special 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 Jury, jury Prize. Uh, also. A winner at the Golden at the uh, San Francisco International Film Festival this year. Winner of the Golden Gate Award for Best Documentary, Miami International winner of Grand Jury uh, Prize as well, and others. Uh, Full Frame, which is one of the premier documentary festivals in the country, won the was the winner of the jury uh, Grand Jury Prize. Um, had what was that? Just as a filmmaker, now you've done other films, uh, Full. Battle Rattle, Con Man, and Speedo, a, a Demolition Derby love story. How did this compare with uh, with your previous films in terms of uh, the acceptance and the the accolades that it's received? Well, it's it's been extraordinary, and and part of it is that the film was really made in, in a vacuum. Uh, I mean, as I said, I, I was up there alone, but I, I did work closely with my wife, who produced the film, and my editor, Jeff Gilbert, who lives in Los Angeles, and. Um, but we, we, we just didn't know whether, you, you never know. I mean, I think in my experience with this kind of filmmaking, I, mean, I knew that I was drawn to Jay in this story, but we didn't have any institutional funding for the film. We didn't have any um, major support behind us. So we just, I just didn't know whether people would respond to this story, whether they would care. You just don't know. You have very little to go on. And um, it, it was, you know, when we finished the film, there were some very difficult times finishing the film. It got very intense in Jay's life. It's things blew up around him and and there was a lot of blowback into the film production and dealing with that was challenging and 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 so finally we got through that and and we got into Sundance which I I had never been to as a director so that was extraordinary but but we didn't you know I I said to Jay I I don't know how people will feel about this film and and you and this story what you've done I think there's a 
powerful message here, but I, I can't be sure. But I, I hope you consider coming. And Jay, to his credit, he's very brave, and, and he, he made this leap of faith, and he came to Sundance for the premiere, and, and, and it was just extraordinary. And the, the film has really moved people, and, and it's, you know, it's very complex. The issues, the questions it grapples with, that Jay grapples with are complicated questions with no easy answers, and I struggled with that making the film. I thought, this film can't contain all of these complexities. There are too many issues here, right? There's too much going on. I, I, any one of these things could overwhelm and tip the balance of this film in the wrong direction. And yet I thought, well, this is just what happened here. This is just what happened in this man's life and in this program and in this town. And let's just put it in and see what happens. And the great gratification of Sundance, the people really embrace that, the complexities, the ambiguities um, uh, of the film. And it, it's a film that leaves people arguing, questioning, wondering. It doesn't provide neat and tidy answers. And it takes people on this journey. And um, so that's been great. Um, to you know, I do feel like we, we went out on a limb to make the film, yeah. and there's a lot of sweat equity and and, and heartache, but um, but the returns have been fantastic, and the fact that Jay's been a part of this journey with us has been very meaningful for me because you know he gave me so much trust and intimacy, and you know I feel like I I did my best to to repay that by by making a compassionate film, and so. Yeah, well, and I thank you for having the, I don't know, what within you, I would call it uh, fortitude, faith in your own self, uh, confidence, to see it through. Because I can imagine that at any point, this is a year and a half of your life, you spent a year editing it, uh, You, I don't know, there must have been some points in, in this journey, making the overnighters, that you must have said to yourself, I think I've got enough, I think that the, we've, we've got a story here, uh, and... Uh, but it keeps it goes it goes to a point in the film um, where uh, it does seem like the right place for the film to end. I know there's more to the story, but um, it's uh, it's a it reminds me in some ways uh, capturing the Freedmen. Yeah, no, I I, I mean I, you know that 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 is both the terrifying and the exciting thing about making this kind of film and yeah. finding somebody like Jay is that you you just couldn't imagine where where it's going to take you yeah. and, um, and, 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 and I think, uh, you know, that I guess, you know, what, what happened with Jay's journey is that it, it's both utterly shocking and, and yet in retrospect, you know, makes a certain amount of sense. And I think that was, at least that was my experience going on this journey with him and yeah. ending up at that place, um, in the story in his life. And, you know, um, people sometimes are floored by the by the twists and turns of the story, but that's just what happens. You know, that's what I that's is what I love about documentary filmmakers. That so many of you <laughs> have some some internal compass that 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 could permit you to keep moving forward and. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to seven years filming something, yeah. ten years, more. Well, you do sometimes feel like you're like a drowning man clinging to like a, <laughs> you know, a listing ship. And, you know, what it's all you it may, it's all you got. It may keep you afloat for a little while, but it's all you got. Yeah. And, and, you know, you put so much into it, you can't let go. Um, is is so, there is know. is there a point of no return? You think to yourself, I've got to, I, I, I know I just got to stay with this. Because yeah, I really it can't. Happen. It was funny. I would shoot a scene and I would think, "Oh my god, that it was the craziest, just about the craziest thing I ever filmed." 
And I think now I can go home and raise some money. And then I'd go out and try to raise some money, and I'd get a bunch of doors slammed in my face. And I think, okay, well, I got to go back and keep going. <laughs> and then I get like another crazy, like you know, I feel like if one verite film has like two extraordinary scenes, you're, yeah. you know, you're that's great. You know, this film, I shot like three or four scenes that where my jaw just hit the floor. And 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 yet, yet we still struggle. It wasn't until we got into Sundance that we really got the money to finish the film. But you know, the best work, the work I'm proudest of, personally, is the truly independent work that was made where I answered to no one and I had that total freedom to just to do what I wanted and um, to answer to myself. You yeah. know, so I well, mean that's yeah. Well, and also it sounds like you've got the support of your wife and you and and and. Having a relatively small operation, you you really were you did everything. Um, I just I'll say it again: director, producer, writer, cinematographer, uh, sound recordist, uh, and I assume you were intimately involved in the editing process as well. So, yeah, you know, I felt. I mean, I, I'm careful never to describe myself as an overnighter. I mean, I just that's just you know, <laughs> not 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 fair to to those people and what they risk. But I, I did feel like I went there in search of something and some meaning in my own life and, uh, you know, not sure what I would find or if I would find it. And I found Jay, you know, and he brought me in and I found this film and this story. So I feel fortunate. I think, you know, many of the men I followed didn't find what they were seeking. And that was some of the, the great pain of the journey is yeah. that, you know, it was much, much harder to, to make it and survive in, in North Dakota than people realize. Well, in one way, um, many ways, but in one way, The Overnighters follows for me what has been a, a pretty solid formula for a good documentary, a great documentary, and that is we get the macro, the micro, and then we get that blend as the film sort of begins to find its its ending, uh, and we did get that with this. We get the, you know, the, the, the oil boom, and we get the people who are on the ground trying to make it happen, trying to make their lives better. And you, and then you get even further down. You start digging a little further and you start to get to where Pastor Jay Reinke is and, and, and all of the, the things that entail from that. It's a, it's a remarkable film. I'm so honored. I want to thank you for being here. Is there, uh, you, again, let me remind our listeners, uh, Jesse Moss is the director of The Overnighters. It's going to be at the New Art on uh, starting opening on October 31st. That's uh, Friday, October 31st. And you will be there for Q&A Friday night. Help me out. I'll be there all weekend. Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Yeah. So people are, you know, can't make it on Halloween. I understand. Come <laughs> over the weekend. I'll be there. Yeah. Well, Mike, great conversation. Thank you. Good, good, you know, I, I, I appreciate you. kind thank of your perspective on this. I want to thank you again, uh, Jesse Moss, the director, producer, writer, cinematographer for the documentary The Overnighters. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.